We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast is sponsored by Liquid Death. Are you thirsty? Parched? Do you like dark and eerie sinister names for your beverages? Then you'll love Liquid Death. Go to liquiddeath.com. Use the promo code BIGBLUE. Blue wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co-host, Nick Colato. Tonight, we're here to break down the Giants All-22 defensive film against the Lions. And let me be clear, it's not the prettiest film. Um, look, the Giants' solution this year has been stopping teams in the red zone, forcing turnovers and part of that plan has been not being not being put in you know short field situations because leading into this game the Giants offense hadn't turned the ball over a lot in this game the Giants offense did turn the ball over a lot in this game the Giants gave up key special teams plays that set up shorter fields for the Lions and that makes it really difficult when you're a 28th defense DVOA uh, I'm sorry 27th defense in DVOA you're relying on these third down stops. You're relying on these red downs, red zone stops. The Giants are a bit of an outlier team in that regard, um, you know, versus the yardage they gave up as a defense and the actual points. And it started to come fruition in this game due to those turnovers. And I just feel like I watched this game, Nick, and it's a different defense than it was the first half of the season, primarily because it doesn't have Xavier McKinney and it doesn't have a Dory Jackson. What do we see in this game? The giants wanted to run a lot of nickel. This is a team that wants to use defensive backs. You know, earlier this season, I don't know if the numbers hold Nick, but they led the league in quarter defense. That's seven defensive backs on the field on one time because partially they don't have the linebackers to do anything else with in this game. You know, you started to see, even when they went to nickel, they started to get gashed by the run game in those lighter personnel packages. And what other option do they have? Because Micah McFadden had a bad game. Jalen Smith didn't have a good game. I thought Tay Crowder was the best of the three linebackers, but what does that say? Because he didn't really play that all that much. He didn't start the game and he's not that good to begin with. And so they're really in a tough spot right now because without McKinney and Adoree, it changes everything for me because you want to rely on that nickel. You want to put extra defensive backs on the field. Well, who are those guys? Cordell Flott, Darnay Holmes, you know, Jay Pinnock, like players who are just not the same as a Dory McKinney. So for me, like coming out of this game, the Wandale injury, that sucks moving forward. But I just have a weird feeling that the Giants can figure out a way to generate offense if the offensive line can settle in on the interior. And there are actually options there. Azudu's better than Lemieux, and he played the second half, and they were better. 
Gates could be an upgrade at center. We don't know. Bredesen could be an upgrade at right guard potentially down the stretch. And Neal could be an upgrade when he comes back at right tackle. That I feel okay about, even losing Wandale. I just think there's going to be a way to generate offense. But the defense scares me so much, man, because the personnel is so different without Adoree and McKinney. And in this game, it, they pay, it pay, you know, it made them pay. Their second and third levels in this game of the defense were terrible for the Giants and were the biggest reason they lost this game. The Giants had a specific game plan on defense here, and it was the game plan that we thought they were going to execute heading in. It was pressure golf, man. They they brought the blitz a lot right. on golf. They ran cover zero 28.6% of the time, and that's not just all in desperation. There was a lot of it mixed in throughout those third downs and some of those key drives by the Lions offense. It just goes down to personnel. Without a Dory Jackson, once he left this game, Without Xavier McKinney, their quarter package is, is who? Like you said, like they don't want to just roll out the back end, back end guys. I guarantee this Giants team did not want Rodarius Williams playing as much as he had to play, but injuries kind of forced the New York Giants' hand. And that's kind of been the story of, of the Giants this season in terms of injuries. And I mean, they've overachieved this season, do not get me wrong. But right now, they're on a short week heading into Dallas, and we don't even know who their starting cornerbacks are going to be. There's a chance. It's looking like he might, but it's still not a definite. He also said it's there's a chance he might not play. So, But again, like we said yesterday's podcast, Dan, that we're relying on Fabian Moreau right now. That's who we're talking about. So the state of the secondary is problematic. And when the Giants were out there in nickel defense, they got gashed, man. Their nickel defense couldn't stop yeah. the run. Power gap and counter, counter runs, that's something that the Giants have struggled with a lot. We saw it against Dallas in week three. We saw a lot against Jacksonville in week seven. And then in this game, the counter runs really just beat the crap out of the New York Giants second level is what the main culprit is. It's sometimes it's Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams. They're narrowing that lane, and that lane is there, though, to be hit. And then the linebacker is not there to scrape over the top and position himself right. where he needs to be. It's always been an issue with this team in the entire season. And that's a personnel issue, right? That's the problem here. So it's like when we turn the page, and we don't want to talk too much about this now. We're doing a game film review. But when we turn the page to the offseason rebuild and or continuous rebuild in the draft, I'll tell you what, Nick, if I see a linebacker in round one that I like that can play in the middle like a bot, like a, you know, Fred Warner type, because Fred Warner was a third round pick, by the way, he was picked just a few picks um, after BJ Hill. And so I'll be punting the table probably for that player, man, over the receiver. I know everyone's going to be jamming that receiver button on their mock drafts and, and disgusted with anyone who doesn't pick receiver for the Giants. But just remember, just remember, we got into this hole originally, the Jerry Reese hole, because we jammed receiver at a ridiculous rate. And all we kept doing was jamming receiver with third round picks, Jernigan, Manningham, with second round picks, Randall, et cetera, et cetera, first round picks. You jam receiver, you don't build out the trenches. So just keep that in mind. But linebacker isn't a trench pick, but I just don't know. Like to me right now, the biggest glaring hole on this team by far is linebacker. And it's not off ball linebacker. And it's not even close. Like I don't even think it's remotely close especially with the way Darius Slayton's playing and the stats back it up. He's creating separation with like the elite of the lead, according to Seth Walder's uh, stat he put out today. And so Wandell was also coming on. Now he's gone, but man, and, and they're going to need to build receiver out too, but you can sometimes find receive. I mean, you can find linebackers too in, in middle rounds, but I'm just not, I, I, I need, I need something different going into next year because you see it in this game. Like they're relying on nickel in my mind, partially because they can't have three linebackers on the field at once. These guys aren't good enough and struggle even have two on the field at once. And that's what a nickel package has. So we'll see it on the film, man. But I'm so at this point, man, I'm much more worried about the defense than I am the offense moving forward. 
I am too. I mean, I'm also worried about the offense. I don't think we're overreacting when we say that we're very concerned heading into Thursday night football. The entire nation is going to be watching this game. And And they already think we're frauds anyway, over because of these last two games. Exactly. And we're going to be the the guys and a lot of giant fans are going to look like huge homers. We're going to be like, look, I understand like if the giants lose, like a lot of people expect, look, I understand it was not pretty, but, and then they're going to be like, oh, you guys are just homers. But at the same time, man, these injuries that the giants have suffered, they're hard to overcome. And you're forcing players who are not ready to step into roles to play like Dane Belton. And you can see the giants after Dane Belton played every single snap. He didn't play every single snap last week. Julian love had to assume a different role, which means somebody has to assume his role, which is going to affect the entire continuity of the defense, but it's a next man up at mentality and injuries happen in the NFL. All those things are true, but it definitely has had a negative effect on the giants, which isn't a surprise whatsoever. Yeah. Injuries are a part of the game. We all know that. And a lot of teams are dealing with injuries, not just the giants, but the difference here is, they had to start from such a scratch position because Gettleman did such a poor job of building out any kind of roster depth anywhere on the roster that they don't can't they're more so than any other team can't afford injuries to top line guys like McKinney and Adoree Jackson just based on where they enter the season. Right. Because that roster going in is not like every other roster in the NFL that might have had a chance to build out depth over the last few years with the same regime being in place. And so that's the biggest factor here. They were never really in a position to deal with injuries. No, they're not. And we'll see honestly, happens. we should dive right into the tape right now. Let's just see the one, first... one silver lining I will throw out there in, a, in okay. a bunch of doom to start this thing. All the talk of the Giants being in trouble this offseason when it comes to losing Wink Martindale to a head coaching job, this could actually help be a little bit of a silver <laughs> lining and help them. Because no one's going to look at this 27th DVOA defense and be like, I got to hire this dude, right? It's just not going to happen. It's I was never happen. worried about losing Wink. I was more worried about yeah, losing Wink. Kafka. Which right. I still think is on the is it possibly is on the table. Even if the Giants don't finish completely strong, I think he's made an impression, and he a lot of people around the league like Mike Kafka. Yeah, and they speak highly the of Mike. Kafka. And he's young. That's the bigger thing. And he's offensive, which is young huge. and offensive. That's what they want. Young offensive coaches now as head coaches. But you know, we'll we'll tackle those when we get to it. Let's get to the film. First play of the game set a tone for the Detroit Lions. They came out and they ran on a creative counter run out of I formation where Jason Cabinda wraps around Jared Goff, cracks Micah McFadden, and then Jalen Smith does not fill. And it leads to, I think, an 11 or 12-yard gain by Jamal Williams. And you can see, like we said, it's a narrow rushing lane there, right? But it's there. And Jamal Williams is a very good running back. And you have Jalen Smith, right as I pause it here on YouTube, you have Jalen Smith scraping over the top, but Jalen Smith is not certain which side of the double team on Leonard Williams he is supposed to go to right here. So he jumps back to his right, but Jamal Williams hits the left hole. And you can see Jalen Smith just looks completely lost there. It's a difficult place to be in, but judging by the blocks, it made sense to to fill the correct hole. And for whatever reason, Jalen Smith kind of ran away from it. It's a difficult place to be. It's made a, it's made a harder place to be when you have alignment, when you're going against a team that has somebody like 58 who can climb to the second level the way that he does. And so Seawall had, I loved watching Seawall in this game. He's I'll very be honest good. with you. I thought Seawall is everything that I thought he could be when we watched this film and broke him down as a draft prospect. It's that insane. He gets so low to the ground. He plays with such low pad level. He's got insane burst and actual just athleticism for an offensive lineman. He's not the biggest dude. He's not the longest dude, but he's going to be a special player. I think in the NFL for time to come. And I think, you know, when, when it really shows out to me, and there's better examples later in this game, but his ability to climb to the second level is like unbelievable. It's very good. And I just kind of want to highlight one thing. We talk a lot about counter runs. Just for those who don't understand exactly what a counter run is, yeah. it's essentially just 
something different than what you initially expect after the snap. Jared Goff, look where he opens. He opens to his left. Jason Cabinda looks like he's coming downhill to his left. Cabinda wraps around to the right, and then Jared Goff flips the handoff, and it goes right. There's a bunch of different ways you can run it. You can run it out of shotgun. You can run it out of pistol. You can run it out of any really formation. Typically, it has a backside puller and a, a lead blocking element, a tight end here. It was a fullback because the Lions are in 21 personnel. So I just kind of wanted to say that as well. And Jalen Smith just wasn't in position. Bad way to start the game, surrendering 12 yards on the ground at home. Yeah, and I'm glad you broke that down because a lot of people like when we take the time to kind of break down what we're we're saying. So we're going to try to do a better job of that more often moving forward. These are already very long, though, so we, we can't only spend so much time there. So maybe maybe we'll sacrifice some of the plays and let them run through moving forward to kind of break down some of those. We'll figure it out. We'll figure out a sweet spot. But yeah, that is classified counter run as a power gap concept. And that's, you know, as we know, what what has killed the Giants this year. Yes, it has. Yes, unfortunately, it has. And now we have a first and 10 and Jared Goff drops back. Leonard Williams puts the guard right into Jared yeah. Goff. And we'll show it. Yeah, we'll show it on the end zone angle. Kind of like the little switch release we get at the bottom of the screen from Amon Ross St. Brown on the number one wide receiver. You can see Amon Ross St. Brown right now. He darts to the flat and then he goes up. Switch release. Now you have Dory Jackson's zone flooded because you had that underneath underneath route holding Darnay Holmes. It's just Jared Goff can never really look in that direction because Adoree Jackson has to midpoint the number two and the number three with all these underneath, with that underneath wide receiver holding all the underneath defenders and you have a crossing route. I like this concept right here from the Lions. It just was not successful primarily because big number 99 does this to Jonah Jackson. And that's the heart of the defense still 99, 97 at some point, hopefully five once we get Ojolari back, but 99 and 97 are basically the only reason the giants weren't gashed on every drive in this game, in my mind, at least. Um, and as you can see, he blows this play up completely because he forces Jared Goff to get out of pocket and throw from, you know, off an off an off platform structure. And he almost pegged somebody in the head too yeah. with the football, Jared Goff. What a douche. Another, <laughs> I, another, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Another like thing about this game that's just kind of frustrating, not even just from a fantasy perspective, but also just from, wow, you're allowing Justin Jackson to run all over you type of perspective. Justin Jackson had a good game. And this is probably his worst run, in my opinion. Worst run by far. Justin Jackson, second and 10. The Cut that up right there. The Lions, the Lions just hand the football off to him and he tries to elongate. And this is another part of Adore Jackson's game you're going to miss. Adore Jackson just flies downhill and tackles him for a two yard gain. I felt like Michael McFadden played this well. He just presents himself right in the hole. Right at this moment, right where I'm pausing it on YouTube, there's a hole, but Michael McFadden is presenting 41 right yep. in the hole. 42 Jackson has to bounce around. Jihad Ward sheds, and then Dory Jackson's one of the better cornerbacks this season, at least coming downhill and making tackles near the line of scrimmage. I feel like it's a very underrated part of his game that he doesn't necessarily get credit for because he's not the biggest or most physical type of dude. Yeah, you nailed it. And we even, it's not like we're going to wait, have to wait to see what that loss is going to mean in that regard. We saw it later in the game when Cordell Flott missed a tackle, should have been a two yard gain, and it turns into a nine yard gain. So it's like those dividends, we're already seeing them pay off. It's all the more reason why it was an inexplicable decision to put him on that punt return. It really is, is a terrible decision. It's the worst decision in Brian Dable's tenure so far, and it's not even close. And it's not even revisionist, right? Because everybody was saying it at the time. Right. Here's the third and eight play. Giants get off the field here, but O'Shane Zimenez taps the quarterback's helmet is the way I see it, at least. And it's called for roughing the passer. Yeah, I thought it looked a lot more egregious than it actually was still. I think Zimenez should just be smarter to not do that right. to Jared Roth just to go high. But I really like the play design and Jason Cabinda just misses 
his blocking assignment, but the Giants have two guys aligned outside of the three technique on both sides. So the A-gaps are open. It's third and eight. They're not going to run the football with Jason Cabinda up the middle. The Giants slant both of their inside guys, and they basically just cross and exchange. And then the other two linemen, Leonard Williams and Jihad Ward, who are outside of five technique positions, just crash inside. So you have the entire offensive line basically just huddled up inside, and that allows Oshin Zimenez to just loop right around, and Jason Cabinda just misses his assignment. He does a really good job, you know, turning the corner, using acceleration and explosiveness, but look, he just kind of makes contact with Jared Goff's head and Jared Goff flails his arms in the air. And instead of getting off after one nice run and then a three and out after that, the Giants unfortunately end up surrendering that penalty, which is, I mean, yeah, I get it, but it's kind of annoying. They had ultimately scored three points on this drive. So it does put three points on the board. It sets up a first and 10, four yard run, focus on Dexter Lawrence and Micah McFadden. They make the play here to stop this for anything more. And it was really impressive too on Dex's part because Dexter Lawrence eats a double team and you can see how he kind of gets pushed back, but then he just reestablishes himself and then uses his opposite hand to just separate from number 73 and then put himself right into the gap to help make this tackle. Also, Michael McFadden comes downhill aggressively, which is something we saw last week too, right, Dan? Like he just comes downhill, yes. makes contact with Jason Cabinda, who's a pretty damn good fullback, if we're going to be honest sheds and then gets his hands on on jamal williams that was one of michael mcfadden's better plays to set up a second and six yeah he's a much better player mcfadden when he's coming downhill like that that was something we saw in his indiana tape and he's always been more comfortable in that way versus like you'll see as you'll see later when he's trying to adjust in coverage or you know cover somebody in coverage and then we have just a little nice pass on second and six to Amon Ross St. Brown for five yards. The Giants do not switch. Injuries to the secondary are going to lead to mistakes like this. Dory Jackson's still on the field, but you can see the linebackers aren't on the same page. Michael McFadden makes an undercall on Amon Ross St. Brown. Jalen Smith goes to pass him off, and Dane Belton kind of cheated over the top of Raymond a little bit too far, leaving Amon Ross St. Brown open, just kind of cleared out to the backside. Five-yard gain. Giants are in a cover three match here, so it just seems like they didn't match the most dangerous player that Detroit has in the passing game. But this sets up a third and one because Darnay Holmes makes one of his many good tackles in this game. I felt like Darnay Holmes is probably the unheralded player to, to spoil it. Yeah, I, I mean, we, we now fully spoiled it and took the cat out of the bag. But yes, I mean, there would be no one else who deserves it more than him in this game. And we'll talk about that a little bit later at the end of the pod and throughout when he makes plays. But yeah, the sneak sets up another first down here. And here's when the Lions really take a big play, uh, chunk play on this. They run the play action. They hit. And this you can see. We'll back this up in a second. But you could see the deficiency in Mike McFadden's game on a play like this. Watch him try to get back into this play. But it's the lateral agility, the lateral athleticism that kind of struggles on this one. Because um, this is Brock Wright, right? This is 89 Brock Wright. Like, this is not necessarily an athletic tight end by any means. He's mostly like a blocking tight end type tight end, I think. I don't I don't even know too much about him, but he doesn't look fast on this play. But that kind of goes to show the, you know, the athleticism deficiency with McFadden on this one. Yeah, with Michael McFadden, he just steps too far to the eye candy that the Lions showed, a boundary run from 21 personnel where they take Jason Cabinda and they motion him to the boundary side. Like, hey, we're about to run power to this side. Like, prepare for it. And then it's just a play-action bootleg where Jared Goff rolls out and McFadden's way too far out of phase. And this goes for a big chunk gain to a tight end that nobody really knows. <laughs> 16 yards. Right. If I'm going to be honest with you, Nick, of all the rookies I've seen on film this season, the ones who have actually played didn't get injured, Beavers and Mc, uh, McKeithen aside, 
McFadden's the one I'm probably least excited about moving forward. And just overall, I think he's been the worst of all the rookies. Um, and it's not just that he's been the worst, like production wise. I just think traits wise, there's a chance that he's just not an NFL player. And we'll see what happens as they're, you know, you, you pointed out before, he's still doing some good things. He's good when he's attacking downhill, but that's not the only job for a linebacker. No, it's not. You need to be in position. And how many times this season, Dan, have we said, damn, Michael McFadden was out of position on that linebacker. Oh, he cheated a little bit too far one direction. And now the tight end has leverage. It happened against Green Bay. That's why he got benched. It's happened in Detroit. It happened the week prior against Houston, even a little bit with Jordan Aiken. So it's uh, it's definitely an issue with his game. Yep. And you're watching the first and 10 play. They run a little wham concept here. Um, But good job by the Giants to stop this for two yards. And again, just for those who don't know wham is a just a blocking type so if you watch leonard williams right here 73 and 68 taylor decker and evan brown they don't even touch leonard williams you can see leonard williams is smart he flashes his eyes because he's anticipating the wham block a wham block is when a smaller defender a tight end or an h-back whatever you want to call him a fullback goes and blocks the unblocked defender on the line of scrimmage which allows other players to climb up to the second level and make blocks yep and that that did not go according to plan for the Lions. sets up a second and eight where the Giants got very lucky on this one. Uh, lucky, but you can also call it a good defensive play um, from, I believe it was Jihad was Ward. It was a Jihad Ward. Yeah, it was Jihad yeah. Ward there on the edge because the Lions made a really good play call on the fullback screen. Screens have been killing the Giants as of late uh, for the most part in the second half of the season. This would have been a likely touchdown if the ball gets out to the fullback, but Ward kind of, does he get his hand on it or does he just kind of? I think he does. Pass? I yeah. think he does. It cha- look, look how it like, hits something and then just changes direction. Yeah. It's it appears like he just grazes it, which was enough. I, I was surprised how many plays the Lions drew up to Jason Kamita. Like yeah. that is only something I feel like Dan a Dan Campbell coach team would do. <laughs> well it's interesting because coming into this game I'd heard from a lot of people that are like inside football people like Ben Johnson is one of the hot names as the court in the coaching carousel for this offseason. That's Lions coordinator Ben Johnson. And I hadn't really seen too much Lions offensive film, but you know, watching this game, I can understand why. I think he did a great job of using the personnel he has because he doesn't really have many weapons. He has Amon Ross St. Brown as his best receiver, who's a good tacti- tactician and like, an, uh, you know, he's got great hands. He, he's physical. He wins on those inside, outside route, those inside, those, you know, those two way routes on the inside, fake block, get out into your route. He's good at all that stuff, selling it. But he's not like a dynamic talent by any means and outside of him they don't really have much talent on the offense Andre Swift people like the name but he wasn't great in this game I didn't think at all so and Goff's not a great quarterback so I just feel like he's he's doing a pretty good job with the talent he has you have a really good offensive line you you can make things work with a quarterback like Jared Goff and and the weapons that they have but I think Ben Johnson for everything I've seen has done a has done a pretty damn solid job I can understand the hype and this third and eight play the Giants scheme two rushers on golf, and this is just a really good play by Jared Goff to find DeAndre Swift in space, but DeAndre Swift only can make, I think it's Dane Belton miss, and then he gets rallied and tackled, which leads to the field goal for the Detroit Lions. So Giants do get off the field here. Here's the second drive, six plays, ends up being negative 11 yards, but look at Kayvon Thibodeau on this play. This is the first play of the drive. Lions are using extreme tempo. Giants are not ready for it. They're just trying to get set up, and you can see Kayvon Thibodeau point at Khalif Raymond, like there's going to be a screen and then Nick McLeod comes downhill really quickly to make a very impressive tackle for minus three yards. I'm thinking Kayvon Thibodeau might've gave a heads up here. 
Yeah, I think so too. I remember watching this on broadcast and my dad and I were, cause I was watching my dad and he was like, look at where Kayvon Thibodeau was lined up. That was interesting. And then when you watch it on film, you can see that he is the one pointing to, you know, where this ball and ultimately ends up. Uh, Lions end up beating the giants later in this game with the screen um, that gets called back by penalty, similar to this one. But you could tell that they wanted to get their screen game going and a great job by Thibodeau to point it out and McLeod to finish the tackle. Sets up a second and 13 where we get Dexter Lawrence just making one of those impressive tackles where you're like, how the heck did he do that? Which is something that Dexter Lawrence has become accustomed to on a Detroit Lions run up the middle. It's Jamal Williams in the game. He just pushes Ragnow back. That's and- Frank Ragnow, by the way. That's yep. like one of the best centers in the NFL. Look it's a power at- gap. Yep, power gap concept, 63 pulls. I'm wondering if 63, not the poo-poo on Dexter Lawrence here, but I think 63 makes contact right there with Frank Ragnow's foot, and that kind of throws Frank Ragnow off and just allows Dexter Lawrence to do Dexter Lawrence things. But still a big play by Dexter Lawrence because you have a hat on hat right here. It would have to be Fabian Moreau making this play. I'm imagining that Jamal Williams probably cuts this backup field if Dexter Lawrence is not there because I don't know where the Giants linebackers are. Micah McFadden takes himself out of the play. Jalen Smith gets hit and his back is to Jamal Williams. So I think if Dexter Lawrence was actually blocked efficiently by Frank Ragnow, Jamal Williams puts that outside foot in the ground and then just cuts right up behind Khalif Raymond and it would be Fabian Moreau against Jamal Williams. Yeah, that would have been a big one for them. So great play individually by Dexter Lawrence. You can see the value he adds on a play like that, at least in the run game specifically for that play. Uh, does set up this second or this third and 12 where they try to run a little screen action. And despite slipping on the play, they're able to get it. Now, I know you thought maybe it was a hold on 88 or 89. It looks like Brock Wright. Uh, it 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 could be called a hold, right? Because he does kind of like put his left arm out and it does wrap, but he also falls to the ground. So I think that's partially why they didn't call it. Um, I, yeah, I think it could be. A, I mean, I'm not pissed that they didn't call it, but it could reasonably be called a hold or something of that light because it looks like Julian Love beats him inside and then sheds. You can see how he sheds right there. And then Brock Wright just kind of is behind Julian Love and hugs him down to the right. ground to assist him. So honestly, even with the little like slight hold right at this moment, Julian Love is probably jumping on top of Khalif Raymond as Khalif Raymond is on the ground. I don't right. think it's an egregious miss, but it's just something to uh to call out but this reminded me of the play from Waterboy where Henry Winkler is sitting there watching the game and he's like oh well you know the guy can fall down pick the ball up he has a bunch of time to <laughs> run into the end zone and dust the football off like that's what it kind of <laughs> reminded me of. Raymond's on the ground for like a second and a half and then nobody is anywhere near him on a screen yeah, it was a good call by the Lions, clearly, if they had that much free space after the after somebody falling down. Sets up a first down where you get to see finally a nice little blitz call here from the Giants, the classic cross-dog blitz. Um, Nick, you want to break down what a cross-dog blitz is? I mean, we might have done it before, but it's worth talking about. Yeah, we again. did in week three. The okay. Giants ran it three times against Justin Fields, resulting in two sacks and an incomplete pass back on the goal line. Cross-dog blitz is when you bring a linebacker and you blitz him up the A-gap, and then right behind him comes the other linebacker, and they basically just cross. So Micah McFadden is going to engage the pass protector, Jamal Williams, off the play action. Jalen Smith is just going to come right behind him and... Frank Ragnow is a little late to recognize it off the double team block of Dexter Lawrence, which allows Smith to pressure Jared Goff. Goff ends up firing the football to an open wide receiver, but he overthrows it. Yeah, exactly. He had him, but this was a a wide throw by Goff. At this point in the game, after his first series in this one, I thought Goff was going to be off all game, maybe wind factoring in, but he did settle in after this, you know, nicely after this. 
Um, but that leads to a second and 10 here. And you got another great individual play by Dexter Lawrence. So focus on 97 on this one. Just tosses Frank Ragnow to the side uh, on a zone run where, where Jamal Williams looking for a hole. And to the backside, Dexter Lawrence goes. He just fits his hands inside of Frank Ragnow, tosses him aside like toilet paper and makes a tackle at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, and a little bit of help there from 99 too, and Shane Zimmons as well. And we're set up here with a third and 19 because on the third and nine play was an 18-yard run, but Shane Zimenez was held, so it was negated and sets up this third and 19. They try to run another screen out here, this time to Amon Ross St. Brown, but the Giants are ready for it this time. Yeah, that run was by Jared Goff, too. It was probably like the longest run of Jared Goff's career. I know. You could tell on that run, it got negated by penalty, but you could tell on that run that he like was taking advantage of like the NFL rules when it comes to hitting quarterbacks. Like he was, he almost looked like Kenny Pick. Remember last year it, when, when Kenny Pickett was on pit and he like faked the slide and then got like an extra 30 yards. It almost like reminded me of that in some ways. He didn't actually oh, fake a slide, but it was like close. I remember that. I was like, dude, if I was on the other team, any chance I got to nail this kid, I would, I would <laughs> hit him as hard as I could. So, I mean, to this point, the Giants defense has pretty much held their own. They gave up a field goal on the first drive only because of a roughing the passer negated, you know, extended drive. They got off the field in that drive. And now this third drive, we're about to watch a, a three and out with a six, three lead for the Giants. Like they had been dominating on defense. But again, when you're when your offense isn't doing their job, they're not scoring points. They're not holding the football and they're turning the ball over and putting you in bad spots. It's really hard to play defense. And so. That was part of the reason they lost this game. But this third drive, what's interesting to me is you'll notice to start the drive, 48 is on the field instead of 41. Tate Crowder replaces McFadden for this drive. Uh, and it starts off right here with just a two-yard gain. It was just a spell. McFadden ends up coming back. And I just like this specific first down because it's a counter run where the Giants were gashed two drives ago. And the Giants play it really well, specifically Leonard Williams. The Giants are in a bare front. They have their tight front, five guys on the line of scrimmage. Leonard Williams anticipates the block from Sewell, and then he sheds him to the outside with a nice arm over and just trips Jay Willie up as Jay Willie kind of runs into Jihad Ward. Felt like Tay Crowder also kind of diagnosed the play and just clogged up the rushing lane by running into the tight end who was attempting to block down. So good run defense on that specific play to set up a second and eight. Yep. In the second and eight, you're going to see them use Tay Crowder as a blitzer and he gets, does a good job creating pressure on Goff, forcing an early throw. Swift actually gets out there, but a great play by Flott to force the fumble. A little bit of luck here. I mean, look, fumbles are a lot of luck in the NFL as far as recoveries go. Giants haven't been on the right side of fumble recoveries for multiple weeks now, and it's hurting them as far as wins and losses go. They force the fumble here with a nice come up and tackle by Flott, but ultimately it's recovered again by Swift and the Lions fall on the ball. And here's some of Ben Johnson's magic at work. You have a bunch to the boundary side and the Lions motion DeAndre Swift in front of Jared Goff out of shotgun and send him towards Cordell Flott, who is over the top of a wide receiver. That receiver runs vertical and now DeAndre Swift runs into the flat. So now Cordell Flott, his responsibilities are a lot difficult, more difficult because he has two guys in his zone. You're just flooding Cordell Flott's zone, especially since the New York Giants decided to blitz Tay Crowder, meaning Dane Belton was going to step up a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage. So you had a huge numbers advantage. This could have been a huge play for the Detroit Lions, but Flott made a really impressive tackle on Swift in space to force the fumble and negate what could have been a really big play by the Lions offense on second and eight. Yep, and you'll see coming up now on this third and one, one of the best individual plays of the game. This time it was by Darnay Holmes, who makes an excellent play here to force the player back inside and also then make a 
just, I like to, I kind of just like the way he makes this tackle. Like he tackles him upright and keeps him up and forces him like angles him inside. So he can't really get that extra yard. This is a third and one here. Like they're pulling somebody, you know, in motion, they're using swift on like an end around jet sweep type action. And you know, Holmes just stands him right up. Penny Sewell just annihilates. Yes. Fabian Moreau, which takes out Julian Love, and he also removed Dane Belton from this play. Like, this is an excellent individual play from Penesu, and I get it. He's going up against smaller defenders, but the fact that he's able to move yeah, in the manner the that he is, skills. Yep. it's the movement skills. And there's one guy he couldn't block, and that was Darnay Holmes, and he shouldn't have. You know, That wasn't necessarily his assignment. Darnay Holmes just sticks DeAndre. So that is such an impressive, impressive play by Darnay Holmes, like you said. And I'm wondering if DeAndre Swift could have cut this one right back oh, right yeah. here. This was a you have, really you have a big... wall of blocking with yes. pursuing defenders to the outside with Penny Sewell, who can who's already kicking out Dane Belton. Now he can transition to Moreau and he can transition to 30 with a tight end also running, but he tries to elongate it. I feel like Dane Belton does a really good job after getting blocked by Penny Sewell, recollecting himself, engaging the tight end, and then kind of boxing DeAndre Swift back inside and using the fact that DeAndre Swift didn't cut the ball up earlier against him. These are the types of plays where the Lions coaches watch on film, and it's the reason why they play Justin Jackson the amount of snaps they do. It's the reason why Jamal Williams is in. All the fantasy football people are like, DeAndre Swift is the best talent. DeAndre Swift should be RB1. He's going to be the best player. Like He's an excellent fantasy by low. Well, no, because the coaches don't want him on the field because he's not processing runs at a, at a good rate. Like, this is a bad run by DeAndre Swift. You only have one yard to go. Like you said, get vertical. Pick up that yard. Get low with your pads and get downhill. And he just, this should never not be converted. Yeah, it reminded me of the Christian Kirk end around from Jacksonville. Yeah, or with the dude, really you only you only have to get a yard. In but that's this a receiver. That's the weird part. You know, exactly. like you can at least expect the receiver to sometimes process wrong. But DeAndre Swift's not supposed to, and that's a big reason why he's not on the field. We got a glimpse of that too, Dan, back during Hard Knocks when Deuce right. Staley was like telling him, "Like, look, man, you could be the best running back in the league. Like, you have everything there. You just need to trust your instincts. You need to trust what you're seeing." And the little plays like that, it's not the most egregious mistake in the world, but you need one freaking yard. Don't right. elongate it when you have Penne Sewell blocking a bunch of smaller defenders and a wall of blockers to eliminate Kayvon Thibodeau, Dexter Lawrence, and Leonard Williams as, as as threats. So yeah, it's just leaving plays on the field, but. We'll take it. <laughs> we'll take it, of course, for sure. All right. That sets up the end of that drive. It's three and out drive, and it sets up a fourth drive. And this is a tough one here because, look, at this point of the game, the Giants are still, what are they, up 6-3 at this point? And that's when they throw the back-breaking interception. It changes the whole momentum. It sets the lines up with the short fields here. Um, and on the first play, they do a really good job of attacking quarters coverage just right where they know that there's going to be a gap in, in the zone here. And I think maybe is it possibly a mistake by by the linebackers uh, on this player. What are your thoughts on why this works so well? Let's watch it from the, the sideline angle. I think it's a, it's a good play design. You have both of those safeties reading both right. at depth and everybody drops to a depth of around the sticks. Those linebackers kind of get cleared out by the tight ends and I'm on Ross St. Brown. And then as I believe Justin Jackson, number 42 just sits right in front of them and nobody really accounts for him. I'm wondering if Jalen Smith had to pay attention to the number two receiver to that side, which is a tight end because Micah McFadden also fades in that direction. To me, it looks like nobody really accounts for number 42. And I'm thinking that it's a miscommunication between whoever the defensive back is at the top of the screen and then Jalen Smith. And if I had to blame somebody in that situation, it's hard because I think that defensive back is Cordell Flott, who's a rookie, but we know Jalen Smith has, has been out of position before in situations throughout the season. I would lean toward its flaw because if you look at like 
Flots hasn't been in the defense a lot. Hasn't been, you know, the communication can be down. Also, there's no really, there's no need for him to look at how he drops in this. Like he's playing. What would you consider that? Like with the, with there's two guys already on the side of the field for that, like, uh, you know, that corner route or whatever is being run on the top of the screen. So I just don't know why he needs to like respect that and get to the depth he's getting to over there. It really doesn't make sense. Yeah. I, I think you're, I think you're right. Cause you have whoever that defender is at the top of the screen and outside leverage. I hate the fact right. that the giants are so injured in the secondary because it's hard to see these guys numbers. Like I used to just be able to look I at know. a Dory Jackson and know it was a Dory Jackson. Oh, you could know it was him by the way he moved on the field. That too. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to have to definitely agree with you though. I think this is on Cordell Flott, which isn't really surprising because it's a, a rookie mistake. Yeah. And he hasn't played a lot. It's not as much as a rookie mistake. I mean, he hasn't, doesn't have a lot of reps. That's going to be the issue moving forward with this defense. A lot of guys on the field who don't have a lot of reps together. Uh, unfortunately now with, with losing the Dory Jackson, I mean, it's just crazy, man. They lost the Dory Jackson on a punt return and they lost Xavier McKinney on a uh, bi-week injury, like off the field injury. It's just so such bad luck, but here you're seeing a little throw to the flat here uh, to Monroe St. Brown. Nice job by Belton to come up yeah. and tackle. This is after the, DPI call on Micah McFadden, which was pretty weak in my opinion, should not have been called. But if it was called, then the ref should have definitely called the DPI on Wandell Robinson, which was in a much more high leverage situation on that third and five. Yep. And that will set up here a second and goal situation. I believe this is the play the Lions scored on. It is, um, yeah. Yeah. This was this was one I think somebody put up on Twitter, like a talking about like what the blocking scheme was. They weren't they weren't sure. It was an interesting blocking scheme from Detroit. But as you can see, it's just a nice, nice run here for the touchdown. Yeah, because it, it looks like it should be split zone, right? Because you have the sniffer coming across to kick out O'Shane Zimenez, but it's not true zone because not everyone's stepping to the play side. You have Taylor Decker who kind of arcs around the two reduced wide receivers who are gonna block down and kick out. Micah McFadden. So Jay Willie, I mean, he has all, he has two holes here that he could realistically run through, right? He could hit the hole right by O'Shane Zimenez, who is engaged in a block or, and that's what he does. And he scores a touchdown, or you can go right off Taylor Decker, who is engaged with Micah McFadden. You take the more direct route, hit that hole, lower your shoulder, run through Dane Belton. Run wow, through he O'Shane. ran right through Dane yep. Belton on that one. Yep. And that's, and that's a touchdown for Jay Willie. Wow. Very yeah. physical play. That's a, that's a physical running back. And that's another counter type of run. Look, Jay Willie starts to his right and turns to his left. So if you look at the Giants defense, you have Jalen Smith, who's going to step to his left, which would be Jay Willie's right. And now he's already kind of close to that line of scrimmage. And that allows number 73 right there to pin him. So the, the counter runs, man, that they're, you want to penetrate, right? You want, you want to stop them. But there are times where you get too close to the line of scrimmage. And now those double teams have such easy access to just pin you to the back of Dexter Lawrence. And now you're effectively eliminated from the play. And that's how you isolate Williams against a guy like Dane Belton right near the goal line, which is not a situation that Dane Belton's going to win. And what in your mind is going on uh, in this run with Shane Zimnens? Is he just reading this, reading the blocker? Because it looks like he kind of takes himself out of the play by just simply running through that blocker. Is he... I mean, at that point, is he assuming the run is going to go to the play, like the original play side? Like, is he not reading the counter? I think he is. Well, no, I think he sees the the blocker coming across and he expects this to be some sort of like split zone type of run call where this player is trying to kick him out to create a rushing lane. So he's trying to keep everything tight. Tight. There. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And I also think, you know, 
plays happen so freaking fast. You have a guy who's like 235, 240 pounds running directly at you. You're just going to protect yourself. And look right. how tight he does keep it. It's just there's no one else. Like who else is going to come and, and handle the responsibility of the outside? You have Micah McFadden, who I'm sure he's relying on, but the Lions counter that by kicking Taylor Decker out around to kick him out. Like Micah McFadden's not going to win that type of matchup. And then you have defensive backs. There's a lot of defensive backs out here. You right. have the two linebackers, nickel package right here, right? You have the three down line. Well, you have the five defensive linemen, if you want to count O'Shane Zimenez and Kayvon Thibodeau as defensive linemen, and then the two linebackers. So I guess this is base, but even still, man, the Giants have a lot of light guys there, and uh, O'Shane Zimenez is just, I think, protecting himself and, and trying to negate or close what he thought was going to be the rushing lane. Sure. And that sets up a 10-6 game here after the Lions touchdown on the short field. It's just a three-play, 18-yard drive. That's the power of interceptions like that and what they can do to you and why it was such a momentum changer. But the momentum was with the Lions from that point on, at least for, at least for the next few series, including this fifth drive that we're about to get to, where the Giants, I'm sorry, the Lions go up 17-6 after a seven-play, 68-yard touchdown drive. And this came with just two minutes and 19 seconds left in a half. This is a two-minute drill before the half. And they're able to still put seven points on the board. It was a it was a bit of a backbreaker here. It starts with this eight yard runoff tackle. Yeah, eight yard runoff tackle to set up a second and two where this was a the Lions one. go under center and they hit Amon Ross St. Brown for 32 yards. Michael McFadden did not gain the depth that he needed. The Giants, they brought a little bit of extra pressure with Jalen Smith stepping down, thinking it was going to be some sort of running play. And I just think it was a really timely call where Ben Johnson caught the New York Giants and Wink Martindale expecting something different. And I think that's something that happened quite a bit in this game where yeah. the Lions coaching staff coached the Giants. Yeah, they did. This was a great call against this defense and how aggressive they were. There's no one in the middle of the field. I mean, look, I've seen receivers run open on that deep over type route all year against this style of defense, this Wink Barndale defense. Some quarterbacks have made them pay more often than others, but on this play, the Lions knew what they wanted here and they knew they were going to have that wide open in the middle of the field and Goff just drives the ball and it's a huge gain. And look, look at what the Lions are doing with their formation. They are going to show counter, which is something the Giants have struggled with. I'm sure they talked about it a bunch on the sideline. Jason Cabinda is going to act like he's wrapping around, right? Just like he did so many other times before, like he's wrapping around, even though Jared Goff and Jay Willie don't go into the counter motion. But look at Micah McFadden. Who's he paying attention to? He's paying attention to Jason Cabinda there. And then this is right. at the moment where he's like, ah, crap, I think this is a... This is a pass, and he's nowhere near Amon Ross St. Brown. Yep. And that is a 32-yard gain, so it's a huge one. Sets up this first and 10. Right away, 15-yard run they just cracked the Giants with here. Micah McFadden here, I want to see him, like, contain. Like, this is something we see a lot with the mistakes and the run plays for the Giants. Like, contain. Force this run back inside. Instead, he doesn't do that, and what does it do? It opens up this huge lane to the outside. It does. And this is another counter run. You have the backside guard pull. You have the H back coming from the backside. Kayvon Thibodeau reads block down, step down. He's going to keep this rushing lane narrow. And then Micah McFadden keeps everything tight off of Kayvon Thibodeau, but he keeps it way too tight. And Darnay Holmes gets dominated by Amon Ross St. Brown on this play. So this just allows Jay Willie to just bounce outside and there's no one there to contain him. And look, his 15 yards. And look who's climbing to the second level to make sure that that linebacker 54 has no chance Jalen Smith to make a play on it. As always, yeah. I mean, this dude just climbs so well, 58, and it's Penny Seawall. But, you know, 
I just feel like on these runs, man, like this is why I'm considering like if there is a guy to get, I don't care if the Giants use a first round pick on a linebacker because there are teams, man, that have like the Warner, like these linebackers who make these plays who are just like sideline to sideline going to clean stuff up like that if McFadden, you know, loses contain or something like that. And just they don't have that right now in Jalen Smith at all. No, they don't have that anywhere on the roster. They haven't had that for quite a while. If we're going to. We're going to be real here, and that sets up a first and 20 because there's a 10-yard penalty on Penny Sewell for an illegal block on a Amon Ross St. Brown five-yard gain, so it's a first and 20, and this is where Cordell Flott just misses a tackle in the flat on Amon Ross St. Brown, who takes it for 14 yards. Yep, this is where we, I referenced earlier. We're going to see the loss of Dory Jackson immediately. Dory Jackson hasn't missed this tackle all year. I mean, look, he comes up faster than Flott does anyway. He breaks on it, and he never missed this until you know the injury. And now, of course, he's not on the field. He's injured. Flott misses the tackle. It leads to like another 8 to 10 yards after the catch, which was huge, man. And Detroit is well this within the first and 20, right? Now. Like This yep. is the first and 20. If you have a Dory Jackson on the field, he comes up and he stops at the line of scrimmage. Now you're in second and 20 or second and 18, let's say, or maybe it's like second and 15, whatever it may be. Um, and that's a tough down to get at, down a distance to get out of. You need to make that tackle, Cordell Flott. You, yep. you have to. And you know he's pound for pound. He can. It's just the angle. He just does not take a good angle on Amon Ross St. Brown. And the Giants are in quarters. They're expecting, you know, a pass. There's no one in the backfield. Jared Goff's an empty. And now... They get a 14-yard gain in the ball at, like, what, around the 10-yard line. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, Big Blue Banter listeners? I'm not 100% sure if you're tracking or if you're aware or have been informed about these strange new tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Guess what? It's not beer. It's a mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Death. Why is it called Liquid Death, you asked? Thanks for asking. Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst, and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans can help bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of their profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. That is pretty nice of them. I've tried Liquid Death in my thirst. It was brutally murdered. So go get Liquid Death at your local Whole Foods Market, Target, and Stop and Shop stores, or find a Liquid Death realtor near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash bigblue. That's liquiddeath.com slash bigblue. 
Ready to win money and boost your odds? WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards are right at your fingertips with Win Rewards on WinBet. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports from the NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, golf, MMA, WNBA, college football, and more. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds on every major sports, WinBet has what you need to win. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet $100, win $100. Download Bet Win. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Be on the lookout for the WinBet Win Hour each Thursday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. During WinBet Win Hour, marquee games of the week will have better odds on WinBet, giving you a larger payout opportunity. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where play through WinBet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, please call 1-800-522-4700. Yep, sets up a second and six instead of like a second and 15, second and 16, which is ultimately the reason that the Lions are able to get a touchdown on this drive in my mind. And it's just here, you just get a little four-yard run here. Yeah, four yard run. Dexter Lawrence stacks up Frank Ragnow and just sheds him. Frank Ragnow is one of the better centers in the league. And Dexter Lawrence, you know, he didn't he didn't have the sacks or the pressures that he's had in previous games, but he still had a really good game. Watch how he right. stacks him up. Like what power is 77 going to generate when his shoulders are basically behind his ass and he's trying to move, but Dexter Lawrence just stonewalls him and locks him out, sheds, and then makes the tackle on the running back. Very impressive. That's a really fun. I really like that you broke that one down because that is an impressive rep. You can see, I love how you said the shoulders are behind his ass. Like he really just uses that left arm, Dexter Lawrence, to just fully push him back and put him in a bad position. And that also allows him to disengage from the block and make the play. It's an incredible individual play by Lawrence. It's just what Lawrence does. And then yeah, Darnay man. Holmes, I believe it believe it was also filled really quick from the apex spot to to be a problem and and eliminate the cutback lane. Yep, it start, sets up this third and two, and they run a little play-action game in the red zone, get that ball back out to, I believe, Brock Wright. Really played pretty damn well here by Love, but it's just enough to get them into the, like, it's, they didn't need many yards to go at this point. <laughs> Williams had so many cheap touchdowns here. Like, good on you, but, like, how many times were the Lions tackled at the one-yard line? There was a false start here on Sewell right there, you see? Yeah, they, they burned that out on the broadcast. They just didn't call it. Yeah, they didn't call it. But the tight end makes his catch. Man, what is Julian Love going to do here? Julian Love is right on top of it. It's right. just the tight end uses his body and it sets up the next play, which is a Jay Willie touchdown 2.0. And you could see after that play, Zimnans was super pissed that they didn't call the false start. But it's how it be sometimes. It is how it be, as they say. I don't think anyone says that, but I said it. Um, <laughs> anyway. Like you're, you're they here, my man. <laughs> yeah, I'm him. What do they say? They, you are him. You, he is him. He is him. <laughs> Um, anyway, yep. Just a tough run here. Like you said, I mean, this, that's the one thing about Williams. I really appreciate about his game. Jamal Williams. He's a really physical runner. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that and it showed up in this game. 
And honestly, from the backside, they almost make the tackle out of a shotgun on the one-yard line on Jay Willie. This is a good play by Jihad Ward to just fight through the inside shoulder of the tight end to get the Jay Willie. But Jalen Smith's a little bit late. Like if Jalen Smith was instinctual here, knowing that the play was more than likely going to bounce to the opposite side of the running back, I don't think Jay Willie scores, but he's a late to it. And then Jay Willie runs through the contact. Now, right. Jalen Smith is reading all these blocks. There's a bunch of blocks. He's thinking that Jay Willie's probably going to jump over the top of everything, but he's just a bit late right there. And Jay Willie gets the score. That turns this into a 17 to six game. And that's really, you know, that we've seen big momentum swings at this point, but we go into half 17, six, it's still a good ball game, but you need to get a stop in the second half immediately. Once you fall behind 17, six. And as you'll see in the sixth drive, nine plays, 56 yards on the touchdown giants did not get that stop. And it's just annoying. What annoys me the most is where this drive started, like past their own 40, just this, another horrific special teams play by the giants to allow this return. And they even got lucky on, on a play, the first down play that, that, um, Nick is running here is an amazing call here by Ben Johnson. It's a fullback wheel route and there's no one covering him. Jared Goff just throws behind the receiver. And Kabinda probably should have caught that, but look how much Micah McFadden was leaning into the contact. He leans so hard into this contact that Kabinda just kind of olays him right around and McFadden falls on his ass there. That's a, a really nice play design. That should have went for like 30, 35 yards, but Kabinda just couldn't hold on to the throw. That was a little bit off target. So this always reminds me of, I know, I feel like one thing is one thing you and I disagree on Nick is like what the threshold for drops are. So to me, this is more on the quarterback than, than the fullback here. Like this ball's he's wide open. Just throw it to I don't his. Know if we disagree. It's just, it's still a drop. Yeah. It's not the best throw, but so it's like the, do you consider the Welker, the Welker, um, the Giants Super Bowl Welker play, Brady to Welker. Do you consider that on Welker or Brady more? Probably a little bit more on Brady. That was a, I do too, was, but a lot of people consider that the Welker drop. And when I hear people you your... talk about that, they're always like, oh, if Welker never dropped that pass, we would have won that game. I'm like, dude, the ball was totally behind him. He had to flip his shoulders around at the, to flip his whole body at the last minute and then make a catch. That's super difficult to do. Yeah, I don't disagree with that, but you still get yeah. your hands on it. Like this play, this is a fullback, so it's not like the most egregious right. thing, but sometimes there are wide receivers who drop passes. It's like your goal is to catch passes. The pass doesn't always need to be in the most optimal position. So True. I get it. The quarterback might not put you in that best position every single time, but if you can get your hands on it and you do get your hands on it, you should catch it unless it's like your fingertips, like the Kenny Galladay play from a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it's an interesting debate. I just uh, and I get what you're saying totally. You had your hands on it. Just I just know how hard it is from playing backyard football to make those types of catches where it's behind you and you have to just like totally flip your body around. But you know, as you said, if you got your hands on it, you should catch it. It was a great design. The Giants got really lucky on that one, and they come back right after it. A little play action pass to Amon Ross St. Brown. Giants are ready for it to set up a third and nine. Great play by Darnay Holmes coming all the way across the formation to track down Amon Ross St. Brown and hit him in pursuit in the open field to bring him down for like a one-yard gain. Just one of the many plays that Darnay Holmes made in this game that made me go, all right, Darnay, okay. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Sets up a big third and nine here. This was one of the bigger plays of the second half. It really stopped the Giants from having any chance of gaining back momentum and keeping the game within reach and only, you know, one, uh, two scores here. Love the pocket manipulation from Jared Goff here. This is a veteran play by Goff. The slide to your left with, you know, allow that route to get open, allow that pass, allow yourself to find a passing lane and then just put the ball right in. This was the moment where I was like, I think the Giants are not going to come back in this game. 
you you have the Lions on a third and nine, and freaking what is the name? Tim Kennedy ends up catching a thirteen yard ball to move the sticks. Giants bring the blitz. They try to flood the B gap. Kayvon goes wide. Pinnock and Dane Belton go through the B gap. Williams picks up one. Pinnock pressures. But like you said, Golf does a really good job manipulating the pocket. And you have Jihad Ward who dropped off from the backside in the middle of the field against Kennedy. And this is just a pitch and catch at that point. I also like the play design too. If you look at Kennedy and the and the tight end, the tight end releases vertical. Kennedy takes one step outside and then just darts over the middle of the field. Right. He's wide open, catching Wink Martindale in a blitz with guys in coverage you necessarily don't want there. Yeah, they look so prepared for that. Even down to Jared Goff's manipulation of the pocket there, like immediately sliding left. He knew the blitz was coming from that side and he knew he was going to have to, he was going to have an opportunity to hit Kennedy and he did. And that changed, you know, cause they, you get off the field there on that third and nine, you might have a shot to come back in this game, but instead they don't sets up this first and 10. I didn't love this, this uh, choice by Justin Jackson at all. I thought he should have cut that right up and gotten vertical right away there. Um, right here. Oh yeah. Yeah. I who knows how long that play would have gone for, but he still got five yards out of it. He did. Micah McFadden makes a pretty good play to slow him down yeah. and actually make the tackle. So this is another counter run from full house. So if you've played Madden, you have the quarterback who is in shotgun, if you want to call it that, and he has a player behind him and two players next to him. So there's a lot of beef back there with DeAndre Swift and then Jason Cabinda, who is mostly beef, and then 42. Jared Goff opens to his right, hands the football to his left, and Micah McFadden makes a pretty good play. But you're right. I think if Justin Jackson just sticks his foot in the ground at this moment, he's probably going unless Leonard Williams makes a phenomenal play. But he's following his blocks, and his blocks are going to the left. And I think that's what he's at least trying to do. But I think you're correct. There was yards to be had there. Yep. Sets up a second and six. You see a nice little double move here from Mon Ross St. Brown. Gets her Darius Williams. Little conversion here for the Lions. Quick, quick, quick little play, right? If we watch from the sideline angle. Yeah, Rodarius Williams in the game, like him and Shane Lemieux, both guys who have dealt with so many injuries, and you're just like, they shouldn't be out there. Like Shane Lemieux shouldn't have been out there. Rodarius Williams, the Giants didn't want him out there, but he had to go out there because the Giants were really injured in the secondary for reasons that they could have foreseen, specifically with Adore Jackson. Monrosh St. Brown, he's a he's a fun player. Yeah, he's a good little player for sure. Um Nice little break job to get in and out of his break there. Sets up a first and 10 here. Um, and this is kind of a play I put in my notes because he he's done it all game, but I just loved watching how Penny Sewell here, 58, the right tackle, climbs to the second level and then just completely seals off Julian Love. Like, this is just like, that's how you got to teach that thing. Like, I mean, he just gets there to Love and then there's just no chance for Love to make the play on it. Look at his feet, right? He gets over and he helps 89 with the chip. And all he does is push 89, but 89 gets his hands on, on Ocean Zimenez. And that just furthers Ocean Zimenez to the outside. And now he has to reorient his hips and just look how quick. Here, I'll pull it right back up. It just went away. But look how quick his feet are in turning, orienting himself towards Julian Love and then just making contact with the dude. I mean, we loved him coming out of the draft. We knew he was a little bit raw, but that athleticism and, and that length... It's part of why they're able to do so many of these unique things in the run game. It's part of why the run game has been so successful. His athleticism alone. Exactly. Look at Leonard Williams. He he ends up losing this rep, but watch how he just tosses the guard to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> he just throws him to the ground. But yeah, this is another run though. Out of single back, you, you have motion just for eye candy. Justin Jackson gets around Leonard Williams and just follows his blocks. Nice, nice pickup of double digit yards, 10 yards to set up another first and 10. We're going to get another power gap concept on a halfback pitch. 
Yeah, I mean, these pitches, these outside runs, I'm so worried about what's going to happen with these against the, the the Cowboys this Thursday. Like, they crushed the Giants with these earlier this season. I don't see any reason why they won't again. You push, you know, you use a Monroe St. Brown to pin the edge defender, and what's left, a bunch of Lions and a convoy. No one at the second level that can really hold up, and it's a big 16-yard gain here. This is something, too. Like, we never have the linebackers that get through this type of trash. Like, it just never, never happens. Like, Khalif Raymond double blocks people here. Like this is Khalif Raymond. He makes the one block on, on a, on 25 or Darius Williams. And then he goes and picks up Micah McFadden and Micah McFadden's eliminated from the play. Right. And Jalen Smith, nowhere to be found on this play. Yeah. Jalen Smith, he, he's on the backside, but you're right. And then the, the edge rushers too. That's like another thing we don't really bring up enough. Right. And I know it's, it's difficult on these play designs, but it's been all season. These edge defenders like allow themselves to get sealed. They, they rarely right. get outside to, to actually make the stop. Sometimes they do. And now you're removing a Dory Jackson, who was an excellent play side cornerback to avoid the blocks and, and fill and come up and make a tackle. I just, I'm nervous about Tony Pollard on Thursday. It's, that's all I'll say. Yeah, I can understand why you would be. 100% after watching them just crush us with power all game, the Lions. So sets up a first and goal on the five here. You have a little throw out here to Amon Ross St. Brown, I believe, tries to cut it back, almost scores, instead just gets to the one. To set up another Williams yeah. touchdown where it's like, number three. number three on the day, a hat trick. And he didn't really do much other than that and then the first run of the game. The three touchdowns, and then it's not like the Lions use so many other running backs. Right. That's exactly right, but it was enough. <laughs> it was enough, and Williams just feels the New York Giants crash down the line of scrimmage, and the blockers just hold up. But Dexter Lawrence almost makes a hell of a play. Watch how he tosses Penny Sewell to the ground here. Just throws him aside, and Jay Willie is smart enough to bounce outside, and Dexter Lawrence knows he just missed getting that. And so now the Giants are down 24-6 at home against the three and six team as a seven and two team. It's not a good spot to be in total upset of the week. I mean, just a very disappointing game to lose, especially like this. I mean, you're down 24, six against a three and six team in the beginning, middle of the third quarter. That's just it says it all right there. They just had a really bad game. The giants, hopefully it won't carry over, but it was a rough, rough tape to watch. This is a three and out from the giants. So at least like they kind of settle in here, but, um, you know, at this point, a lot of damage has been done. Almost a pick six here for for Flot. I'm wondering if he could take it back for six, but yeah, at this moment, I, at this moment, I'm wondering if Ben Johnson's like, let's just run the ball because Jared Goff, out of single back, no play action element, just traditional drop back, has pressure right in his face from Leonard Williams, who splits. Gets <laughs> Leonard Williams, another guy who's really good with his hands, knocks the outside arm of seventy down, chops it, and then just separates. And Sewell can't get over to him, hits Jared Goff, and Jared Goff throws it right to Cordell Flott, but Flott's momentum was going so far inside that he couldn't come down with the pass. Yep, that's exactly right. And like you said, after that play, they're up 24-6, right? They they're just go straight to the run here. Like, they're just, they, they know what where their bread is buttered here in a game like this. Um, against the Giants offense at that point in time, had just six points, one touchdown. So a little three-yard run here. They try counter. It doesn't really work that well. Good play by Jihad Ward. Yeah, Jihad Ward takes on the, the lead puller and then just sheds, makes the tackle to set up a third and seven where Dexter Lawrence gets one of his pressures, one of his two pressures. It was a good pressure by Dexter Lawrence, but this was close to being, uh, you know, this is a throw behind Khalif Raymond, but there is a window potentially for Goff if he sees it a little earlier and gets rid of the ball. 
Yeah, I think so too. But this was one of those drives where you're like, all right, at least the defense is showing some life. It's not like the defense is hapless. They're they're getting after right. Jared Goff. They're forcing incompletions. They're defending the counter run, which is something they haven't done all that well. Yeah, good so, point. Because now we get another three and out drive, which is awesome too, right? Like two back to back three and out drives. It's just unfortunate that at this time the score is twenty four to six. <laughs> yeah, you're right. So they do get off on th- another three and out, and and you could see on this drive, like the Lions really, really decided, let's just run this ball, let's try to take some ball, uh, you know, some time off the clock, let's take, let's put it out of Jared Goff's hands so he can't have like a back breaking turnover, sack, force, fumble, interception, and they come back with a run, run drive, like they start this drive, run, run. So here's the first run for three yards. Yeah, the backside tackle pulls here, so it's not even the backside guard. Backside tackle pulls, tries to kick out O'Shane. O'Shane keeps it narrow. And Jamal Williams kind of misses the initial hole and runs right into the back of Penny Sewell, who was dealing with Justin Ellis. O'Shane Zimenez ends up making the tackle for a three-yard rush to set up a second and seven where we see off-ball Kayvon Thibodeau, Dan. Yeah, Kayvon Thibodeau off-ball. It's really interesting to see. He has the athleticism to make plays. He does on this one. But I thought something interesting that you pointed out to me, Nick, was just you could start to see Jalen Smith guessing at this point because he's seen so much counter in this game. He guesses counter there. Like watch just 54 in the middle of the defense. He's basically <laughs> just trying to guess and hope to get right. He pops it, moves like this to counter. And what does it do? It completely takes himself out of the play. Now you're right. And I'm, and I'm chuckling, not, not at the expense of Jalen Smith, but it does remind me of like when you are playing Madden and you've smoked a little bit too much of green stuff. And you just don't know what's going on. And you're just running around with your linebacker, like a chicken with his head cut off. That's exactly what it kind of looks like on this play. He's yeah. just, he just ran himself away from, from where he was supposed to be because he watched Jason Cabinda, who was aligned to the left of golf cross golf's face in the, in the eye formation. And yeah, it was a good sell by them to run. have Cabinda cross. That was a smart sell. And they really made this look like it was going to be another counter run. Um, but Kayvon the exception. Did. Yeah. But Kayvon didn't, didn't bite. Kayvon didn't bite at all, and he's off ball, okay? So he's not at the edge position. He's lined up directly behind Henry Mondu, and he just eyes down 42 the entire time, positions himself right in the hole. And to be real, if Kayvon Thibodeau doesn't make this tackle, and he if he thinks it's counter as well, this could have been a touchdown. Yeah, it could have been a touchdown. There's no safety help. Or well, no, no, there's no, 27, yeah, Pinnock's coming up. but Yeah, Pinnock was really, really deep on the play. But anyways, yeah. it sets up a third and three. But I did bring up something. You brought up something I want to talk about. Okay. They've, you know, Mink Barndale's talked about, like, Oh, you know what I really like about Kayvon Thibodeau? Like we've been able able to use him at Sam linebacker this year. That's how advanced he is as, a, as an NFL player. And it's like that's all good and well, dude. But like you don't want to have to use Kayvon Thibodeau as a Sam linebacker. That's not good for the Giants. Well, he's like, he's he's been Sam. Like when he's referring to Sam's, his traditional position is Sam when he's aligned over the top of the tight end. What position is he considered to be in in that play? That was he was just an off ball linebacker there. Let's okay, go back. so let's just say off ball linebackers. I've seen him in that spot. He was in that spot earlier in this game. And it's just like you take him out. Like you don't you. I don't know, man. You just need different. They should have other players that they can feel comfortable playing in that role, but they just simply don't. Yeah, I think he was on the weak side before. The weak side. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So it wouldn't even be the Sam side. And now we're just clicking through plays to find the correct play. Yeah, he's on the weak side as 89 motions. But yeah, he's typically the Sam in this defense. It's the role that Tyus Bowser played so successfully right. with Wink Martindale. Yeah, in this specific yeah. defense, it's also an interesting role. But anyway, it sets up a third and three here. Little play action rollout, half the field cut off, which is always good for the defense in my mind. Nothing open. Giants play it well, force a punt. Yep. Jalen Smith gets some pressure through the inside. And at this point, the, the game is effectively 
it's effectively over. We have three drives left, though. We can run through the the plays on this seven-play drive. Sure. Starts out with a big play here. 21-yarder off play action to Khalif Raymond. This is something it looked like Goff, you know, it's partially because the, the defensive back slipped here on this, but um, this is something we saw because he might have been able to make the play on underneath. But we saw this earlier on the play that ended one of the last two drives where Goff wasn't able to get this pass on this in-breaker. But this, what is it, mesh? I don't even know what this is considered. Yeah, it would be a mesh concept with Amon Ross St. Brown and Khalif Raymond. Just watch how the Giants play the run. They, they play the run so aggressively. They come right. down on Linda, because the Lions, they use a lot of 21 personnel. Like Not a lot of teams use a lot of 21 personnel with a true fullback like the Lions. And I feel like the Giants struggled to to really account for Kabinda and whatever Kabinda was doing, where Kabinda was going. Like Who thought he was going to be a, a big difference maker in this game? And I feel like the implementation of him from Ben Johnson kind of got into the head of the New York Giants second level defenders. You could see how Tay Crowder and Julian Love fly up to the line of scrimmage here, expecting the run, and then they go into the play action. Julian Love blitzes, that's fine, but then Tay Crowder just attaches to Kabinda, but no one's in the middle of the field at right. all because Jalen Smith gets bumped by the tight end and then he robots for some reason to pick up Amon Ross St. Brown. But I think Taman Fox, I believe that's Taman Fox, is trying to pass Amon Ross St. Brown off to Jalen Smith. So no one is there where they need to be in that middle hook spot of the match defense. So much space there. 21 yard gain sets up a first and 10 little five yard run for Justin Jackson here. He's now being used as like the late game bruiser here with a big lead. Which is smart. You don't want to like DeAndre Swift has dealt with injuries all year and he has some nice runs too down the stretch. Yeah, for sure. Someone Fox makes a nice physical tackle. That's sets up, up a second and five. Yep. yep. Here we just have a one yard run here. Um, Swift tries to get around the edge. He's just unable to. Well played by the Giants. Yeah, Julian Love does a really good job to come down, kind of read it. He's by the line of scrimmage at this point. You have a lot of snaps from Jason Pinnock, but the Giants aren't even going to have that luxury because he broke his yeah. jaw, and it's it's up in the air if he's playing. Yeah. That's super disappointing, potentially, for the Giants. They're just devastated and depleted in the secondary right now. Sets up this third and six play. Great play by Jared Goff, his best of the game on the run, just absolutely rips that ball into it was basically two. The Giants like knew that he wanted Amon Ross St. Brown on this play. There's two Giants defenders in the area of Amon Ross St. Brown, but Goff is just able to escape the early pressure rolling to his right and then throw a really good rip on the run. Yeah, I love this dude. Bunch to the field side. I'm on Ross St. Brown starts his initial stem outside curls back to the inside. Dane Belton takes underneath trail. And then you have the other cornerback who we can't see at this point, basically trying to stay over the top of them. But I'm on St. Brown just runs horizontally and outruns both Darnay Holmes and Dane Belton for the first down. Yep. And that'll set up a first and 10 play here. Take Crowder makes probably his best play of the game. It's a two yard loss. Giants again, very aggressive in the run fits at this point. Um, you know, it's a, end of the game situation, but great play by Crowder. Anyway, that was the best linebacker play I saw all game. Yeah. And Leonard Williams too avoids. He slants to the inside and just shoots right through the a gap and no one really makes clean contact on him. So his chest is square to Jamal Williams. As and I'll be honest with you, Nick, by the way, I'll be honest with you in a game like this, at this stage of the game, when it's tip, it's truly garbage time. And we look at the final snap count numbers after the game, Nick, and it's like Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence playing 90% of the snaps. I'm out on it, man. Like, do what you want to do. You're the coach, and I trust you guys, but I just don't see any reason to have those two guys on the field at this stage of the game, risking injury, you know, 
for just no real reason after it, maybe if you spelled them earlier in the game, if there's actually some kind of rotation with the giants defensive line, sure. But there is no rotation. These dudes are being asked to play like every freaking snap, which is like completely uncommon for interior defensive linemen. And so then you still have them on the field, grinding out these like meaningless fourth quarter snaps. I just, I don't like it. Yeah. I didn't love it either, but I will say the remaining drives or at least the final drive, I did not like seeing Dexter Lawrence out there, but Leonard Williams was taken off the field. He's dealt okay. with some injuries this year. Well, that's but good you just, to know. Yeah. You just and get I think it. I, I mean, I, I'm sure I know that in the notes, but it's just like, even on a drive like this, it's just, I'm watching these dudes and anything could happen. We've already lost so many players due to injury and this is garbage time. But anyway, we see this next play. That's almost an interception. Goff just tries to kind of like YOLO ball this one up and love almost picks it. Yeah, the, the second and 12 play, Dan and I were talking for those who are listening on the podcast. Dexter Lawrence just dominated the offensive line and made a tackle for a one-yard gain, third and 11. Jared Goff almost throws an interception to Julian Love. It was double coverage, probably a ill-advised throw. I'm not really 100% certain why he yeah, decided to do that. <laughs> but two weeks his own. And now we're going to get the DeAndre Swift touchdown drive because everybody gets touchdowns when you play the New York Giants, apparently, on this one. At least in this game, that was the case. Hasn't been the case all year. It's a four-play, 33-yard drive. Starts with just a four-yard run here. Oh, Henry Mondu gets obliterated by Taylor Decker, too. I thought, that. look at the 27-yard run after this. I, I On this 27-yard run after this, we'll get to it in a second. Nick, I in my entire life, I have never seen a linebacker pushed that far out of a play than I saw by Taylor Decker against Tay Crowder on this 27 yard run. We're about to run. We're about to show. I mean, I think I know. Yeah. I know the exact play you're, you're, you're talking about. And this and look, was the first play of the entire season. Well, we'll, I'll go over in a second. You can break down this one first. Yeah. I just want to say Leonard Williams is just so good from the backside and he gets a face mask of Penny Sewell there. You can see he grabs Penny Sewell's face mask, but even still, he consistently does a good job using his hands and, and his length to be just an ass you know just an absolute menace on the backside of these zone type of running plays yep and he makes this tackle for for a short game but you're right man this is a four-yard gain and now we're gonna have a 27 yard rush by jackson where tay crowder does yeah. not have a good time yeah you could just watch taylor decker on this when he locates crowder and then just drives him like 10 yards off the line of scrimmage and this was the first play of the entire season nick that i felt like you know, you see a lot of these teams around the NFL. Like I was watching the Cardinals 49ers Monday night football. And that last Kittle touchdown was the saddest defensive play I've ever seen. There were like three people who should have <laughs> tackled him. By the way, I literally lost two fantasy matchups because they didn't tackle him because they didn't push him out of bounds or make any uh, kind you of You were effort. yelling, weren't you? You were yelling, weren't you? It was unbelievably furious. Two matchups on that play, two key matchups. The only leagues I really truly care about, but that was a play where I was like, this defense gave up. This was kind of the first play of the season. I did feel like the Giants defense wasn't given that, you know, rally everybody to the football, super high effort, a little bit of a give up here. Just maybe it was just that they were blocked out of the play. It looks better on this, but I mean, it just, it wasn't a great rep for the Giants. I mean, look what the Giants are doing now. You have Dexter Lawrence as the one technique over Frank Ragnow with the three technique to the weak side being Leonard Williams and O'Shane Zimenez as basically a five technique on Penny Sewell. But to the strong side, all you have is Tom on Fox and that's where they run. But it's a right. strong side boundary run. The Giants decide to overload the field side on this play. And they account for the motion. And you can see how Darnay Holmes shoots like he's expecting a weak side run. But now look, right at the snap, as Jared Goff is going to hand the football off, you have three blockers on Tom and Fox. <laughs> like, 
and that that's it. And then you have Tay Crowder being like, "Oh, what's going on? Oh, geez, it's going to be a boundary run." And then he just runs right into Taylor Decker. And the, the the setup of the defense on that play really right. helped lead to this huge game. I'm not really 100 percent certain what Wink Martindale was doing pulling that defensive front out there. I guess he was just getting really desperate to to try and come up with some sort of stop and guess what Ben Johnson was doing, which is kind of consistent with what happened this entire game. Yep. And we'll just run through the rest of these plays. I think, I mean, there's two more runs here and then there's a final few plays we can throw up and let's dive into the superlatives as we do that, Nick. Yep. Let's do it. All right. We'll start with the unheralded player of the game on defense. Yeah. Unheralded player of the game on defense is Darnay Holmes. I felt like Darnay Holmes had a fantastic game for a defensive unit that struggled on the whole. He was one player that kind of came up with huge tackles and big key situations. And if the Giants found a way to win this football game, we'd be like, man, Darnay Holmes was a big key reason yes. why they did. You know, yeah, so you Darnay Holmes. Yeah, you're right about that. He's my pick too. There's no one else who deserves it more than him. How about the highest effort player on film for you? I think the highest effort player, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Leonard Williams. Leonard Williams, it's always usually between Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence. And it could have easily been Dexter Lawrence, but he's probably going to fall into another category here. So I'm going to go with, Leonard Williams, who was making plays on the backside and just doing what he does, man. He's he's a very high energy, high effort type of guy. I'll go with Darnay Holmes, actually. He's my unheralded player and my highest effort player. I just love the effort he brought in this game as a run defender. Um, and he wasn't putting too many conflicts as a pass defender. So it really stood out to me. Okay, give me your best player on tape for the Giants. Dexter Lawrence still. Yeah, still Dexter yeah. Lawrence is getting into Andrew. Oh, geez, Tay Crowder, if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, Tay Crowder gets driven into the ground by by the guard on this play. Oh, that's an uh, ugly rap. Yeah, that is just tough to watch. But yeah, I'm going to go with Dexter Lawrence. He's he's starting to scratch the Andrew Thomas territory, especially now that Adoree Jackson is injured. So I think Dexter <laughs> still had a good game. Yeah, it's still Dexter Lawrence again for me, man. I'll do. The, I said I'll do it last week. I haven't yet, and now it's Thanksgiving, so probably won't be this week. But maybe next week, I'll finally get into like totaling up and tallying up all our best player supposed for each game, highest effort. And I just want to see what it looks like. But this is another one for Dexter Lawrence. He's he's probably getting close to the Andrew Thomas range as far as total best player on film goes. Um, let's go with your favorite defensive play call from Wink. Favorite defensive play call from Wink Martindale. Like, I like a lot of these blitzes. They just didn't work out because it seemed like the Lions were really keyed in on, on what exactly to do. I think I'm going to go with the, the third Nate call that O'Shane Zimenez took the penalty on. I think that's okay. a fair one to, to start with. You bring O'Shane Zimenez all the way from the opposite side, crash everybody tight, have a bunch of guys in one area of the field, loop two guys around to try to take advantage of the, of the players who are uh, blocking on the edge. And it worked because. Cabinda did not throw his block, but True. unfortunately, Ocean Zimenez made contact with the head. Yeah, they're going to call that these days. I'll go with the cross dog blitz call. I just, I'm a big fan of the cross dog blitz. I like it. It worked really well against Fields. It worked on that play. It's good against these quarterbacks who don't deal as well with pressure. So that would be the one for me. Let's go with your pass rushing grade one through 10. Pass rushing grade one through 10. Let's go with a 4.2 low fours. I think is fair, maybe high threes, but 4.2 I think is is sound. I, they didn't get a lot of pressure, but I think Jared Goff dropped back traditionally what like 11 yeah, times at most. So I mean, 4.2 might even be a little bit much actually. So I'm gonna actually lower it to like a 3.2. I'm gonna lower it a full point. Should, could be even lower than that. You're not seeing anything from these edge rushers. 
right? Like yep. you get, you had some blitzes where golf did a good job, in my opinion, flowing away from the blitz, manipulating the pocket. The pressure was there, but the quarterback overcame the pressure, similar to what we saw against Seattle, where the Giants weren't really getting a lot of traditional pressure, but there were times where other quarterbacks not named Geno Smith would have easily have gotten sacked in the pocket, sure. right? Because Geno Smith was just maneuvering in that pocket in tight quarters too. It wasn't like there was a lot of room, but Geno Smith, man, he's playing like MVP type football right now. It's absolutely insane. And he's got the Raiders this week, so he's probably going to go ham. So uh, I think I'm going to go with a, a 3.2, but I think I'm being a little bit generous just because the Giants were able to get some pressure up the middle. Yeah, I'll go 2.9. It would be even lower if it wasn't for Dexter Lawrence and some of the reps he won. I was really about, like you said, there's just no traditional pressure right now with Jihad Ward as one of these edges. They just, and or Shane Zimmerman, they need to really get back Aziz Ojolari badly. But part of that is just, look, no teams are just not running traditional pass sets against the Giants right now. Like, at least recently, like there just wasn't much to go off of in this game. They will when the Giants can yeah. keep it competitive, but there was just like a lot of stuff that went wrong for the New York Giants. Like you give yep. up 17 points off turnovers. You allow yep. them to double dip. You allow them to drive the football sure. down your throat in the final two minutes of the game. Like you, it's very difficult to overcome that. True. How about a run defense grade one through 10? Run defense. Let's go this with a bad game for the run defense. 1.8. Yeah, they can't stop is... anything laterally, man. They just can't stop Nothing. anything laterally. Can't stop anything laterally. And th th you're even at the point now with like team like like this game against the Lions. How did we see any inside zone? Like we probably saw. I'm trying to think back. We just went through the film, but the amount of like counter and power gap and pitch outside with power, like with pullers we saw from this line. It's like they don't even care to run inside type plays against the Giants defense. There's no point to do it. They don't have to. There's nothing forcing you to do it. And they know they're just going to crush this team with lateral runs and I just don't know why every other coordinator is not going to do this against the Giants this year. Some of these teams are really just wide zone type. Yeah, of that's the good news. Like we might face some teams that are just not running. Dude, we, like, we called it too. We were like, oh, Ken Walker is amazing. He was gashing everybody, but we they, knew we'd stop him. Yep. We, we had a feeling the Giants after one of the worst games we've seen in a while in week seven against Jacksonville, we're going to do good. And they did well against, yeah. against Ken Walker, you know, and the Giants right now going up against Dallas, they have a pretty varied rushing attack. They True. can run power gap. They can run counter. They can run inside zone. They can run duo. They can do everything. So it's it's it's, it's concerning to say the least. I'll give it a one four. I don't know if I assigned a grade, but we'll give it that. All right, that's all the time we have for today on the defensive film breakdown podcast. No preview pod this week. There's a family coming in for me and Nick, I think, on the other end. So it's a busy uh, Thanksgiving week. But we will have a recap show after the Giants play the Dallas Cowboys. We'll we'll, we'll talk to you soon. We'll, we'll figure out a plan for the end of this week. But um, definitely be on the lookout for our podcast after the Cowboys game. Otherwise, have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. 
the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.